if you're interested in fucking Emily, please let me know. Thanks. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Spikes Rack Pod. I'm Emily. I'm Savannah. And we are very excited to talk to you guys today about a million kisses in your lifetime. But before we get into that, Sav, how are you? I am, listen, Bonnaroo is like two weeks away. And getting music festival outfits ready is like one of my top five activities of all time. So that's where my head is at currently. This is what my themes are. I'm doing a rainbow pride theme. I'm doing an all pink with my pink light up cowboy hats for the Dixie Chicks, obviously. And then (laughs) on Sunday, I'm doing black star witchy vibe for Stevie Nicks for sure. So that's what I'm doing. Just getting prepped. I'm home like 10 days in all of June. So getting prepped for lots and lots of travel. Those outfits are going to be so cute. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. How are you? I'm good. It's been a week, but I'm excited to talk about this book bender that we've been going on. So I'm excited. It's just been a week full of reading. Yeah, we have been on quite a bender. I read six books, seven books last week, which is like, that's a lot. I was going on one a day, working full time, like living my life. Yeah, I don't really know what got into me, but I just went on like a random bender. It was like I would finish a book at like four o'clock in the afternoon and be like, it's only four, time to start another. And <laughs> yeah. then just keep going. So what have you been reading? I see that you read Carrie Soto is back, one of your arcs. I did. Okay, so I read Carrie Soto is back, which is the final, I think, evolution in Taylor Jenkins Reid and her like decade interconnected series. So it starts with Daisy Jones and the Six, and then it goes on to Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Then we get Malibu Rising, and then Carrie Soto is the next one, which is set in the 90s. Very good. Not spicy, so not like a, you know, not a spice rack read, but still very good. We read Blindsided, which if you are, you're tuned in from last week when we were like, oh, let's read this book that we've never read before. And I said, Emily, what do we do if we don't like it? And you said, we'll like it. It's going to be great. We hated it, so I read that, um, and then read A Million Kisses in Your Lifetime, which we both obviously loved, that's why we're covering it today, read A Code of Silence, which was so fucking good, I had the best sex of my life after reading that book, I had to wake Seth up, and then I read, um, I ended my week with a rom-com reverse harem. I've been seeing that reverse harem all over TikTok. Really? Okay, so it wasn't on TikTok. It got recommended to me, like, on my Kindle. It is called Faking with Benefits by Lily Gold, and it was pretty good. It was not reverse harem-y. Like, normally reverse harems are kind of cringy and, like, a little too much and, like, not really. I'm not, I'm not a reverse harem through and through reader. This was, like, a rom-com, had the perfect amount of spice and, like, banter and plot. So I would highly recommend that. I gave it four stars. I added it to my TBR list. Okay. What all have you been reading? Okay. So I've been all over the place with the books I've been reading. So I finished Blindsided also. Um, Scottish soccer romance novel. Could have been a lot better. This is Mm -hmm. one of my least favorite things. So the main character was plus size. Okay. I really hate when the main character is so self-deprecating the whole book and we have the same body type I was like I don't want to read this yes and you're constantly like it just like makes it doesn't make me feel good 
So it could have been a lot better. And I think another reason, so they play the Highland games, just like Scottish games. And I kept thinking about the guy that plays Owen Hunt because he was in that Man of Honor movie. And I just can't stand Owen Hunt from Grey's Anatomy. So I think that also played into it. And then I read Three Little Words, which is one of my favorite sports romance book. And it revolved around accidental pregnancy and brother's teammate, best friend. And it was hockey. So perfect timing with the playoffs. And after getting my sports fix, I read A Million Kisses in Your Lifetime. And I felt like I was transported back to a Gossip Girl episode. But yes. make it book. Yes, 100% yes. And now I'm on a bender. I'm reading about morally gray men who are hot in the Dark Kingdom series. So it all starts with the code of silence. And I am on a bender. So if you're going to read the Dark Kingdom series, I recommend reading them in order. Because throughout the books, like the couple before is in the book. So you just don't want it to be spoiled. So I'm currently on a bender. I'm about to start reading the fourth one. So, And we're covering a code of silence next week. So we're not going to give too much away in our reviews. Other than that, it was fucking incredible. And I loved it. And we'll talk more about it next week. Yeah. Only complaint was it could have been longer. It was so good. Truly, I wish that book was 350 pages longer and I would have eaten that shit up. (laughs) I'm so upset that it was not long enough, but so good. I'm feeling a a dark romance mafia bender coming on. I do not want a fantasy recommendation right now. Do not give it to me, please and thank you. I finally finished A Court of Thorns and Roses, that whole series. I think that there are more coming. Mama just needed a break. Like, I just want some morally gray... I want a kidnapping. I want a forced marriage. I want darkness. I don't want any fairies. I I can't handle any of that shit right now. So I think that I'm about to go on a little mafia bender myself. I approve. I never will say no to a good mafia bender. (laughs) I know. A mafia bender is always in. Oh, Austin Butler. Have you been seeing? Oh, Elvis? commercials. (laughs) The previous for Elvis and Austin Butler. First of all, I did see Top Gun, and I've been a Miles Teller fan since The Spectacular Now, when I was the ripe age of 14, so, like, all these girls that are just recently on to Miles Teller, we've been here. Hello. We are residents of Miles Teller fandom, but I did like Top Gun. It was enjoyable. I am sprinting my ass to watch Austin Butler be Elvis. I'm thrilled about it. Me too. It's going to be so good. I'm going to that, and then I will be at the movies when Where the Crawdads Sink comes out. I will be there opening day. Yes, I will as well. We love a, we love a book premiere. Okay, so Monica Murphy is a New York Times bestselling author. She writes new adult, young adult, and contemporary romances. She is a firm believer in happy endings, but she likes to put her main characters through many angst-filled moments before they get their happy ending. Books by Monica Murphy include Promises We Meant to Keep, The Reluctant Bride, The College Year Series, and The Callahan Series. Today we'll be discussing A Million Kisses in Your Lifetime, which is a standalone that follows Ren and crew. And it is a standalone, but all the Lancasters have books written about them. And then The Reluctant Bride is about his older sister, and it's an arranged marriage kind of morally gray, not really mafia book, so... It is a standalone, and it's really good. I'm very excited to talk about it. I'm excited to read the rest of the series, too, as it comes out. I think it'll be so interesting. It'll be really good. 
So we don't have a dedication this week, but we do have a cute little poem in the beginning. Um, and so it goes like this. He was Christmas morning, crimson fireworks, and birthday wishes by Raquel Franco. That's so sweet. I think so too. Very cute. Okay, so getting into a plot review. So we have Crew Lancaster, and he is the bad rich boy of Lancaster Prep. Ren Beaumont is the goody too. She's a Lancaster Prep and wears her promise ring loud and proud as she is the only virgin of the whole senior class. Crew and Ren are complete opposites, and he even states that she is the bane of his existence. Both stay away from each other, but when their psychology professor pairs them together for a final, they are assigned to know the in and outs of each other. These two went from hating each other to developing this beautiful friendship where Crew sees that Ren is a good person. Their friendship results in Crew being obsessed and possessive over Ren, and after a cozy Vermont weekend, she loses her virginity to Crew. Crew knows that Ren hates the time surrounding her birthday and around New Year's and Christmas, and he surprises her with one thing she's always wanted, the A Million Kisses in Your Lifetime painting and the tools for her to make her own painting. He buys her 400 shades of, like, every shade of Chanel lipstick so she can make her own painting and also use him as a canvas. From teaching scandals, the woe of graduating, and family drama, the two stick together to the absolute end, and there is a beautiful, happy ending with the proposal. Listen, this book is giving Chuck Bass, and I loved it. I loved the Gossip Girl vibes. I loved the Chuck Bass, Blair kind of feeling, and I was so into it. Crew is so rich. Like, his family owns the whole school. And to me, it was kind of like, this was Chuck Bass's redemption book. Yes, I totally agree. It was giving rich bad boy vibes, which I loved so much. There are a few things that I really love about this book. The first is that there's not a third stage breakup. Thank you, gods above. We have been begging, literally fucking begging for a book without a third stage breakup. So thank you, Monica Murphy. We love you for giving that to us. I liked Cruz's overall development a lot. I think that he grows, and I like that this is like a, you start and he's like 18, and you end and he's like 22, right? And so he develops a lot. He gets very emotionally intelligent, which we love to see in a man. Doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, when it does we're thankful. And then, like I said, the rich bad boy feels from Crew loved it. Huge fan. Couple quotes stick out to me about this little love story. Towards the beginning of the book, when he's talking about Ren, he says, it's been three years, four months, two days, and a handful of hours since the first moment I set eyes on her. The most beautiful girl I've ever seen. The bane of my existence. Goddamn, I want to be someone, the bane of someone's existence so bad. Like, I'm obsessed. And then they're like talking. She's asking what his favorite color is. And he says, green like your eyes. Goodbye. The green like your eyes. Man was in love. Man is in love. In love. The bar has been raised with Crew Lancaster. The painting. He spent $1.2 million on this painting. The 400 tubes of Chanel lipstick so she can create the painting herself. The way that he gets the creepy English professor arrested because he wanted to hurt Ren and he saw that the English teacher was taking advantage of the girls at the school chef kisses for crew he was not putting up with any shit he comes from a morally gray family 
but I didn't see any of that stuff. Crew does some messed up things, but he he is a man. I agree. The fact that he really took into consideration like how important her virginity was, like he really like was not rushing her. He made it all planned. And like I'm sorry, the necklace. So after they like have sex, she uses he takes her purity ring and like wears around like a necklace. His ability to read her and know what she's thinking is what all girls want. For example, they're on the phone and he says, don't say it, Birdie. Not now we're on FaceTime with each other. Save it for when we're actually together. And Ren goes, how did he know? And he goes, because I feel the same way. It's like he knew that she was falling in love and like wanted to say it. He wanted to wait for the perfect moment. Another one is, I remember everything about you. He says, every little thing. Swoon worthy. We love him. The only thing I would change about this book, but I think, I I don't know if I would change it because it just shows how much crew loves Ren, but her dad is the absolute worst. This man is so creepy. Like he is obsessed with like Ren's virginity. So I wish we saw less of him and like more of her mom because her mom really did stick up for her and they like blossomed, like their relationship blossomed, but crew. I, a couple of things. It's not just that he bought the painting. It's that the painting wasn't for sale. Like, Ren's dad was trying to get this painting for her, and the person who had it, like, refused to get rid of it. So, not only did he spend the money on the painting, he had his brother track down who owned the painting and convince him to sell. So, it's not just the buying the painting. It's the buying the painting that the person didn't want to sell obsessed I think on Ren's dad I like that her mom has such a redemption arc in the story because when Ren's at school she's like always talking about her dad and she's very much a daddy's girl which like whatever he's weirdly obsessed with her virginity I don't like it and the dynamic between the parents Ren a lot of times feels like she's left out like it's kind of her dad and her mom and then just her and she doesn't have that allyship with her mom But we kind of see that change a lot. And the mom eventually sticks up for her and, like, does what a mother should do. So I really like that – I like that the dad is the villain of the story and not the mom. And that she's able to get this redemption arc and, like, form this relationship with her daughter and, like, learn to trust her and her instincts and stuff. Yeah, Ren – I really love Ren's growth throughout this book. I think that a lot of, like, girls, especially, like, in that kind of society – or, like, their virginity is put such an emphasis on who they are. And we see Ren struggling with this, what she feels like guilt, because she feels like like what she did was, like, really wrong. So it was really awesome seeing how she grew up and kind of she became her own person, not what everybody was expecting from her. I'm very glad their psychology teacher did not let them switch partners, because Ren was like, I have to switch partners. But I think that her relationship with crew really helped her become the person that she became at the end of the book yeah I like her development a lot I like that there is an emphasis on like the virginity but also it's not like weird right I think a lot of times when you see like college or older high school women that are virgins it's just made into a thing where she's like it's not a thing I was a debutante a whole bunch of other people did this like I'm not it's not a religious thing it's just the thing that I'm doing and maybe it's not for me all the time, but for this period of my life, it's been fine. And then I'm going to lose my virginity when I like to fall in love. And I think that that's a very normal like perception to have. And I'm glad that that was the approach that this took. And it wasn't like a hyper-religious or a super highly fixated upon thing from crew either, right? It wasn't like a 
kink in a way, which I really appreciated. Yeah. And this book had it all and it had a good amount of spice. So it, did. it was good. I did not expect it. I'm giving it three peppers. How many peppers are you giving it? I give two peppers. Here's the deal. The foreplay in this book is incredible. There's so much foreplay. We don't fuck until like more than halfway through. The virginity is intact for quite a while. And as a woman who loves foreplay, I love that. I do wish that they fucked more. Like I wish that we would have gotten to it a little earlier, but I'm not complaining. To agree, because when we do get it, it's chef kiss. <laughs> when we do get it, it does deliver, but there was so much foreplay, which I mean, it's good, right? We love seeing high school men caring about women having orgasms. Like, I think that that's a good thing for um, women, but I just, I was like, are we gonna bang soon, or like, are we holding this out? Like, it was just a lot, there was a lot of holdout. So here's one of the like four quiet quotes. So they're in a limo when they go to like an art museum and like nothing's happened. And he said, I would figure you until you're begging me to make you come. And when you eventually explode all over my hand, I'd make you like me clean. They just went to an art museum and had lunch. <laughs> this is the thing. I want to talk about the blow pop scene. Wait, no, we have to talk about the blow pop scene. <laughs> we have to talk about the blow pop scene. So Ren is notoriously known for like, loving a sucker in class okay honey loves a blow pop so she's sucking on this blow pop whatever ren says watching you play with that thing in your mouth all i can think about is you sucking my cock okay and so then she goes to hang out at his house she goes to watch a movie obviously they end up fooling around watching a movie (laughs) and he fucks her with the blow pop virginity is still intact so she is blow pop inside of her and I would like to say like a blow pop in your pussy girl this is why we get yeast infections <laughs> like, and they were like sharing the blow pop beforehand <laughs> like I need to talk about what was your aftercare like did you clean that shit up because I know your ph was fucked after putting a blow pop in your pussy in the puss I cannot but it was so, I mean, it was very hot. I also think about, like, blow pops can cut your tongue. So, like, I don't want a blow pop anywhere near my clit. <laughs> like, I, no, I, I really don't want either. Did I expect that to happen? Absolutely not. It's like we were reading this cute little gossip girl book, and then suddenly there's a blow pop in her puss. And I was like, how did we get here? Yeah, I was very taken aback by it. I was like, this is not a rom-com. <laughs> this is not a rom-com. <laughs> and then we, we went here the, then we have the mirror scene <sighs> jesus christ so good so good you know before i started reading those scenes i would never even like think about those kind of scenes and then i fell into the smut trap and now every time you walk past a mirror you're like hmm. <laughs> interesting <laughs> and he has the mirrors all over his house he does. Like, his whole room is, like, almost mirrored. And the virginity scene was exactly what I wanted. It was sweet. There was lots of foreplay. It was not crazy. Like, nothing nothing too kinky. They really edged their way into this, and I appreciate that. It was everything I wanted and absolutely not what I got. Like, they <laughs> spent the whole day looking at Christmas stuff did this whole weekend just for her 
I know he was like hoping it would happen, but he was like, I can even sleep on the couch. Like he did everything to like make her feel comfortable. Spent the whole day. They bought Christmas presents for their families. Like he wanted, he understood that it was such a big deal and he wanted it to be absolutely perfect for her. Do you ever think about like, there are women in the world that the first person the first man they meet is like not a piece of shit like the person that they lose their virginity to is like a good guy and they end up together I can't even fathom that no I can't (laughs) fathom that either those people are God's favorites (laughs) clearly I had to go through hell so I clearly wasn't for um the circumstance Right, right. Like, you never had to suck a dick in a frat house bathroom, and, like, I love that for you, babe, but that is just not what Emily and I were out here doing. We were not gifted that way. (laughs) You know, so many years later, (laughs) please, we can laugh about it now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They can't start a podcast and talk about their sex lives because they aren't doing stupid shit. They didn't have to, unless they're putting blow pops out of their pussy, then I guess that they can have a different conversation. For those who know Sab and I, we went, we, we went through it. Yep, if my future daughter it. ever says that she likes adults and sig, I'm going to have to pack her bags. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, no. I hope that my daughter is a lesbian. That <laughs> make my life a lot easier, for being honest. <laughs> you can be like, listen, we went through it, but maybe if in another life, my experience could have been like friends. Maybe, maybe. Love that for her. Like the snow happening, the cozy cabin, the fireplace, the room service. The sweetness after and before and during. (laughs) That didn't happen to me. Oh, I do have to say, so when they were doing their final psychology presentation in front of the whole class, they wrap it up. And at the end, crew was like, wait, I forgot. One thing I learned about Ren is that she really likes blow pops. And I was like, and he hands blow pops out to the whole class. The whole class. And this is like two days after he put a blow pop in her <laughs> pussy. I can't. <laughs> okay, we have some fun questions planned. We didn't ask me anything on our Instagram story, and Noel sent us some fun questions. So we're gonna get through that in lieu of discussion questions this week. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into the boyfriend pyramid. As we all know, we have a scientific pyramid. It has four levels. It starts with the ultimate friends with benefits, and it ends at God tier. So, Emily, where are you putting crew on the boyfriend pyramid? I'm putting crew at white picket fence because I know that we would have a happy, long marriage. It would be fun. I know that he will care about me and, like, the little things. Because, like, every gifts and stuff that he gave to Ren were all so personable and, like, nice that I would – think we would have a very happy relationship. Yeah, so I put crew at Meet the Parents. I felt like I loved him, and we could have a fun little time together. We could have a little fling, and it would be great, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to marry him. I'm looking up, because a million kisses in your lifetime is a real painting, and I hadn't seen it, so I wanted to see it. Have you seen it? No, um, I have not looked it up, but I really considered making my own. I think that idea is so cute. Oh my gosh, you should. I don't think it'd be that hard. Not, I mean, not to say that art is like easy, right? But I don't think it would be super hard to recreate. And when he was saying that you can use me as a canvas too, I was like, 
Amazing. Any other thoughts on a million kisses in your lifetime? I understand the hype that I get. I really do. Not to go back to blindsided, but blindsided <laughs> was hyped everywhere, like all over TikTok. Like it was super hyped and like, we're like, hey, we'll give it a try. And it was a flop. And Such I'm a very flop. happy that this one lived up to its hype because it was so good. And I'm going to yeah. probably, once I finish some of the books on my TBR, I'll go into a, a Lancaster vendor probably. I agree. The hype was real. I enjoyed it a lot. Who do you picture Crew as? Do you have a picture of him in your head? I agree with your thing where you said Logan from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. But I almost envision him as a meaner Nate from Gossip Girl. Okay. Okay. Maybe meaner is not the term. Maybe a little bit more like straightforward, like rugged. So kind of a mix between Logan and Nate. Okay. I do picture him as Logan Huntsberger. I can't get it out of my head. Once I learned that he was blonde, there was no going back. It was what it was for me. But I like the picture of Nate. Nate, I think Gossip Girl was like the OG heartthrob. Like OG heartthrob. The OG. And he's so, he's still so hot. So I finished Book Lovers. And to me, Charlie was like Logan Huntsberger. So I was like, okay, I can't put two and two because they're completely like different personalities. But a more rugged Nate is what I think he is. What is the guy in Gossip Girl who he loses money betting? The older guy, right? The blonde guy? Sebastian, Sebastian Stan. Let me look. Oh, yeah. Oh, this I think is, he also could be in it. This is perfectly spot on. I love that you recalled that from your memory. This is exactly what I picture. If we get into the AMAs, you guys asked some really good questions. So our first question is, how many books have you read this month? So I read 20 books. How many did you read, Saf? I read a measly 11 books, but a couple of them were Akatar books, so they were a bajillion pages long. Thick. Thick. Two Cs. 20 is pretty. That's a high number. I really think so. I was the Ravenhood trilogy was involved, and so I had to binge, binge, <laughs> yeah. read um, those. And then I started reading the Dark Kingdom books, and those things, they're pretty, all the books are pretty, like, short books, so they go by pretty fast. What's your annual reading goal? Do you have one? Mine is 160. And I know that, so I think I haven't updated. I think I'm at 76, 77. But I know once I start school, the amount of like smut books I'm going to be able to read is going to like go down a little bit. But my goal last year was 100. I think about 130. So I pushed up to 160. So we'll see. 160 is very fucking high. Mine is 90. Last year, I got to I got to write it like 90, 85, maybe. I'm going to try to do as much reading as possible this summer and then get into it. Okay. I support. What would you consider to be your Holy Trinity God-tier book recommendation? Okay. So I, since it was Holy Trinity, I was like, okay, I'll pick three. Devious Lies by Parker Huntington wrote me in from start to finish she also wrote darling venom ate mm. that book up it was like 80 85 chapters devoured it so that's one of the books the finish line by kate stewart i and that one is my favorite in the ravenhood trilogy and the ritual by chantelle tessier i, I, live, loves the ritual. I, I swear <laughs> by the ritual 
it has secret society it has plot twist romance like I could not see where the book was going at all I am a believer of the ritual so those are mine what are yours Okay, it was smart that you only included three. I included s- several, way more than three, because Emily is, like, known for a hockey or a mafia. That is, like, pretty much where she lives. Yeah. I am all over the fucking map. So my new god to your recommendation is A Court of Mist and Fury. That's going to be my comfort book. I will read it when I feel sad. The Brown Sister series by Talia Hibbert is a woman of color, really good representation, lots of spice, rom-commy, very good. So it's got Danny Brown, Evie Brown, and another Brown. There's three of them. Love that. Recommend that one a lot. Ravenhood series, obviously. Fucking does not miss. Incredible. 10 out of 10. Most things by Tessa Bailey, I will ship pretty hard. She doesn't miss for me. I've read almost everything that she's written. Huge fan. Love her. The Crave series by Tracy Wolf is a YA vampire series that gives twilight mm-hmm. vibes so love that and then zodiac academy books four through six by caroline peckham and suzanne valenti zodiac academy put me in very much a vendor last year and so the fourth fifth and sixth books are the best books in the series for me on a tessa bailey note she is running a reverse harem i know I'm <laughs> so, so good and I don't know what it's going to be. So she's been posting a lot of TikToks of her at hockey. I was like, are we going to get a hockey reverse harem? Because I will never recover. I will quite simply pass away. No, I love I Tessa Bailey. She's so funny. I love her TikToks. Everything she writes is golden. That's a good, a good holy trinity. You've covered all the genres. Yeah, the it trope. was a holy, holy <laughs> seven trinity. I don't know. It was a lot more than three. Some of you guys asked some... Um, some steamy, some spicy questions. So this one person asks, has a book ever been so steamy you had to take a self-care break? 100%. I read Fix Her Up. We covered it, episode three of the podcast. <laughs> I read that book one-handed. I have no shame. It was so fucking good. So spicy. The Dancy Swanson Spice spoke to me and had to do it. I also have, and it's 2022. We are not shaming. We are not shaming. Masturbation is healthy. It's important. You gotta do it. Yeah, we're not judging, so. Do you know what book it was? Do you remember? Yeah. It was Den of Viper. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. We did have a reader live text me as she was reading Den of Vipers, and she was like, I understand. I would also like to say that I have done this several times. Tessa Bailey, Fix Her Up is just the one that I can vividly recall because I was working and I was in a frat house and I was <laughs> masturbating and reading and I was like, this is risky territory. <laughs> I should probably not be doing this. It's 2022. It happens. It Live happens. your truth. On kind of the same vein, have you tried anything sexually that you've read in a book? Listen, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I think like over 1,500 days. <laughs> so I was not into book talk or book or reading. I was reading my little poli sci articles for school, trying to get into grad school. So it is a no for me. Listen, 
the mission of this podcast is to get Emily laid. If you are interested, please reach out to me. It is my life's goal to get Emily railed at some point soon. It's been a very long time. She is in a year-long, years-long dry spell. Someone please fuck her. Let me know. I will set it up. Like, just let me know. I can do the work. Just send me a headshot. Make sure you're not a felon. <laughs> like... Yeah, mm-hmm. it was undergrad Halloween. I'm about to start my PhD. So it's just several degrees later. Yep. So if you're interested in fucking Emily, please let me know. Thanks. <laughs> Sav, have you? Um, yes. And I've talked about it on the podcast. I have tried many things that I've read in books. And then I started this podcast so I could tell strangers on the internet all about my sex life. <laughs> yes, I have. We talked about it, but the reading and the fucking, that's something. The mirror has been added to my list. Thank you, Monica Murphy, for the recommendation. See, this is what I just have to say. I am in a year-long drought, and Sav is not. And I think that's what makes us compatible as best friends. It does, (laughs) yes. Yes. When you have a podcast where you do occasionally talk about your sex life, you've got to make sure that one person is fucking. And so I'm just holding it down for the team. Currently, that's what I'm doing. There should be another first date question. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. We'll add it to the ongoing list. So sad. What's your favorite series? My favorite series is very hard to answer. Depends on the day. All-time fave is The Sinners of Saint and All Saints High by L.J. Shin. It's what got me into smut. It's what, it was the gateway. So I'm thankful for L.J. for that. What about you? Okay, so I, mine's like a three-way tie. So mine is The Sinner of Saint series by L.J. Shin. The, it just had everything. The Dare series by Chantel Tessier it was a super dark plot twist, murder, crime, romance. It had everything. And then I think that this is a very underrated series, The Bergman Brothers by Chloe Lees. So she has like six out and they are so, they're just so cute and they all have representation. They're all completely different. It follows the, this whole Bergman brother family. And I am obsessed with her book. So those are my three favorite series. I will forever like those three. I think that Chantel Tessier needs to sponsor you. (laughs) I really do. So I eat up her books like no (laughs) other because it has so much. So like with the Dare series, so it has like morally gray. We have crime, murder, romance, and it follows everybody so accurately. So it's like intertwined with this friend group and it has like a twist. Like they're all D1 college swimmers. Amazing. Rich. It's just like, I did not know where the book was going at any point. I think that's one thing I love about her books is she hits the steam, the romance, the plot twist. Yes. She keeps you guessing. Okay. What is a book that you could not finish because it was so bad? So mine was the float plan. I need to see who writes it. It was so, I think I got to chapter 15 and there's still no plot. But there was also not any, like, steam. I was like, what is the point of this book? Okay, so The Float Plan by Trish Dollar. 
And it was supposed to be like this girl is like, she has like a mission. She's going to boat. She meets the, this guy who helps her steer the boat because she doesn't know how, but it was dragging so long. And I think that this is the one and only book that I did not like finish. And I bought the hard copy at Target, but it was just, I don't even think it's on my bookshelf because I just disliked it so much. Listen, there's one thing about me and that I am a Penelope Douglas hater. Hater. Penelope Douglas uses they, them pronouns, so I will respect their pronouns. I do not respect their writing. I fucking hate everything that they write. I, Credence gets so much hype. So much fucking hype. And I did finish it. I slogged my way to the end of that godforsaken fucking book, and it was horrible. And people hype it up, and I don't understand why. It's awful. It was such a train wreck. I had to finish because I was like, I already invested my time into this train wreck. But a lot of people say it is her their go-to book. They're always going to recommend it to somebody. I was like, this book was awful. awful. To my core. To my like, core. I'm it tried to be reverse harem, but it failed so miserably. And there should not be a reverse harem and family mixed together in any means. No. And I get there's like a taboo thing of like, I don't know, step, step siblings, whatever is popular right now. Pop off queens. Read what the fuck you want. I don't care. But I am not reading sharing between brothers and a dad. Absolutely not. That is disgusting to me. And it wasn't, it's not that there was even a semblance of her being related to them. It was that they were all related and they were all fucking each other and sword crossing and like all kinds of shit. And that just is not for me. And they treat her terribly about it. Yes. Like that's a different thing when yes. it came to Roxy and like Den of Vipers and stuff was they treated her like a queen, but they treat her so bad about it. And she is stuck on this mountain in the middle of nowhere, winter. She can't escape. And they're, these men are just awful. Yeah. No, not an ounce of personality between the four of them. It was no. terrible. The main character, I swear to God, doesn't have a single brain cell. Like, she was useless. I get that her parents died. Whatever. She sucked. She had nothing going for her. No. I'm a Credence hater. I don't like Penelope Douglas's books. I will not read them. Do not recommend them to me. They're just, it's not my thing. Not my style of writing. I'm a hater to my core. We have said that we only want to talk about authors that we love. This is the one exception. Yeah, I agree with Sab on this one. Okay, what is your go-to read when it comes to smut? Anything by LJ Shen, and I know that she will deliver. She will. We love LJ. LJ. What about yours? Yeah, mine's not necessarily related to an author, but I know what I'm looking for in that Kindle library. If it's got a nice shirtless man on the cover, he's in, like, a particular pose, or it's, like, a dark man with, like, a little um, five o'clock shadow in a suit. <laughs> like, I know that that's what I'm on the prowl for. So I know what to look for visually when I want to smut. Yeah. I think if we're not doing author specific, anything where in the blurb, it says morally gray man. <laughs> or like forced anything where yeah. it's like forced her to marry, forced her to move in with me. Like, okay. CEO billionaire. <laughs> I yeah. it up no you know exactly what I'm talking about the pose he's got the five o'clock shadow he's wearing a suit and there's like a skyline in the background you know that shit's good has to have the suit like that is what's gonna make it 
Yeah, hundred percent. Sometimes I'll go for like a rom com if they have like the cutesy little cartoons on the cover. We've talked about this. You know that shit's spicy. I just there's just so much that I can like recommend when it comes to like smut and like smut books. But I know LJ will never let me down. This is true. LJ's the queen. We stand her so hard. And she just had baby twins, and they were just released from the NICU. So very happy for her. I know. We wish you a lifetime of happiness and motherhood, LJ. I'm excited. I bought Ruth's Rival, so her new series. And I'm excited because there's, like, multiple, so it's, like, another series. But this is my thing, and this could be uncalled for. So I understand when authors write a series. I don't want to read a book right now, June 2022, and the next book come out the end of July 2023. I'm not going to remember. It's honestly rude. Just give it to us all at one time. All at one time. And on another note, um, Anna Huang, so she writes the Twisted series. She is coming out with seven books, and it's, like, based off, like, the seven deadly sins, and I am very excited for it. I know. I'm fucking hype about this. Do you get her newsletter? I open that. I do. Yes. I'm so excited. Because she's one of those authors that her books, I think, at max are six months apart. So I am very excited for that to come out. And Rena Kent is also coming out with, like, a new College Secret Academy dark mafia book. So, serious. Amazing. We will read for sure. So, the Zodiac Academy 7 book is out. But the next one, those cliffhangers are so bad. Like, mm-hmm. end your life level bad. So, I haven't read the 7th one because I know that I'm going to want to read the 8th one immediately. And I'm, like, not setting myself up for that misery. So, I'll read the next one when they're all available. Yeah, that's how I was. I got the... So, Scarlett St. Clair, who wrote Touch of Darkness. So, she has another series. So I bought the first book. It was on sale at Barnes and Noble and I was going to start reading it, but her books always have cliffhangers and the second one does not come out until December. And then the third one in 2023. So I was like, I have to wait. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. Well, thanks for asking us questions. This was fun. Maybe we'll do this like once a month so we can check in and see what y'all are curious about. Yeah, I did definitely enjoy it. And I do want to say thank you because this is our 10th episode. So I just want to say thank you to all of our loyal supporters who continue to support our little pod and our dream. So thank you. Oh my God. All 10 of you out here supporting us. We made it to double digits. That's exciting. And when we win an award for podcast of the year, the OGs will be involved in our speeches. So exactly. So you know who you are. The only people listening to this right now. Thanks for supporting us. So, talking about episode 10, moving on to episode 11. Next week, we're living Emily's dream. We're finally doing Code of Silence. She's been talking about it for a solid month. So, since we read it and loved it, we're going to talk about it next week. I'm super excited. Code of Silence is a spicy mafia romance, arranged marriage, friend group, second chance romance, which I really enjoy because it's a twist on the whole arranged marriage. So, It is available on Kindle Unlimited. It is the start of the series. It is book one. And I really hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. And it's really short. We wish it was 400 pages longer. So should not take you very long to read. So thank you guys so very much. I hope you guys enjoyed A Million Kisses in your lifetime. And you guys enjoy this episode. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Bye, guys.